So just before we get started, I wanted to just share this quick content warning. In this particular episode, we do make reference to mental health issues as well as self-harm that some of you guys could be potentially triggered by. And of course, if you do want to avoid that kind of content, then you'll find more information as well as the timestamps to avoid in the description below. So just one more quick note before we get started and before you guys can actually hear the podcast is actually our first podcast. And so the editing is definitely not at a professional standard yet, but we are working on that and hopefully you guys can bear with us whilst we improve. And yeah, I hope you guys like the episode. You ready to go? Fucking ready. Beautiful. Cool. Let's do it. Ale. Okay. Who's the top? The top? I mean, no one needs me. No, we're supposed to alternate, mate. We're supposed to be switching. Welcome to this first episode of our brand new podcast, Dicalicious. My name's Casey. And my name's Leah. And this is a podcast by lesbians for other lesbians and queer identifying folk. Two of us are going to be talking about the very niche topics of what it's like to exist in the world as women who love women, women who love loving women. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about things like lesbian stereotypes. What do they look like out in the wild? Maybe a little bit of lesbian drama. Also things like mental health. Just like the way that we can all kind of come together and help each other through the difficult life of being or of identifying as a woman who loves women. Yeah, because the idea for this podcast was born because both of us were kind of saying that there's not very much lesbian content in the world and we wanted to fill that gap. Yes, we are here to fill your gap. (laughs) That gaping hole. (laughs) So sorry, but get ready for this kind of humour. Yeah, sorry about that. We're sorry or you're welcome. You decide. So a little bit of background. Leah, do you want to tell us where in the world are we actually? Right now we are in Paris in France and... I think we've known each other for about, what, like a year and a half, two years? Hang on, though. You don't have a French accent. I am not French. (laughs) What a surprise. I am originally from the UK. I'm from a place that's quite close to London. Shout out to Reading. How did you come to Paris? Well, that's a very good story because I actually was living in Australia for two years. I met my ex-girlfriend and obviously fell very deeply in love, as we all do. My visa was ending and she needed to come back to Paris to like to finish her master's. So, you know, love just like took over and brought me here. That's how I ended up in Paris. Four years later, I'm still living here. I'm still very happy. I think I've integrated quite well into society, especially into the lesbian community. You have expats. Well. Of expats. There is a very big lesbian expat community here. Uh, Yeah, there's quite a lot. There's a lot to choose from. It's a very quality community. Yes. Quality lesbians everywhere. And we love that. We're all here for it. Totally. And that's how I came to Paris. So 
Voila. How did you get to Paris? Because you don't <laughs> sound very French either. Yeah, so actually I'm from Australia, from Sydney. I moved to Paris three and a half years ago with my ex-wife, who is French. We met in Australia. And then we moved over here to Paris. And yeah, now I'm thriving and surviving here in Croissant Land. Thriving and surviving. Great. Mm. I like that. And I'm glad that you're here. Uh, so yeah. that I'm not alone. Because that would make <laughs> this life like almost unbearable. I can't believe that we've both been here mm. for like three and a half years. And we only met a year and a half. And ago. yeah, like, where were you when I first moved here? Because like, I had something missing from me and that was you. Me and, like, too. Now you're here and I'm like, oh wow, I love it. Yeah, my first year in Paris was really sad and lonely. Even though like I had my, I had yeah, friends. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. I didn't have any friends though. They were well, all my ex's friends. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I had my ex's <laughs> I friends. I had friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, people invited me for drinks with my ex. No, they were very nice. She has a very welcoming community of friends, but they weren't my friends. They were, yeah. I think that's where it's quite hard when you move to another country mm. um, with your partner, and it's their country. Mm-hmm. I think automatically you're thrown in. Especially in Paris, like, it's quite a difficult place to meet French friends at least. I was actually speaking to somebody about this the other day and the only way that you meet French people is if you've either fucked them Mm -hmm. or you worked with them. That's the only way to make French friends. If I look through my list of French friends right now, I can 100% tell you it's either because I've worked with them or because I fucked them. Well, I mean, I have a French friend that I haven't fucked or worked with. So, we did connect via LinkedIn, though. (laughs) Technically. Maybe we work together? I don't know if that... Maybe you will work together. We could do. She's very talented. Um, Anyway, so that's how we found ourselves here in Paris. And how did we meet? We met through a mutual friend, and I feel like we hit it off straight away. We did. Mm. We were really looking into each other's eyes that day. Yes, because somebody commented that we both had blue eyes. And we so we just, just stared into them. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good night, actually. That was a really fun that meeting. Was, yeah, it was a very nice way to meet you. Anyway, we met, we stared into each other's eyes. And we've been friends ever since. Yeah. I think the, the friendship just blossomed after that. I genuinely think meeting you changed my experience at Paris. That's what they always say. <laughs> Like, it opened up the world of my own lesbian friends that weren't mine just my too. exes. Mine too. Exes. Actually, like, when I met you and then we started to meet, like, other people together, mm. it really, yeah, it fucking turned my experience of Paris around. And actually now, I quite like Paris. It's yeah. not as bad as it was before. Yeah. Like, before I was just a, yeah, I was depressed. I was very sad. I mm. didn't like Paris. But now I'm like, I fucking like it here. Because I've got, like, a nice support network. Anyway, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. Um, anyway, so we both moved here for love, mm-hmm. which I think is a classic common practice for, for expats in, in Paris. Mm-hmm. Maybe in France in general, but definitely in Paris. Yeah. And here we are. And so we met some other people. So our podcast is actually... A group of queer women. Yeah. So there's obviously us. 
Leah and Casey. And I'm just going to say here that my name in real life is not actually Casey, but we'll talk about it later in the episodes. But I come from a quite conservative Catholic family who, now that I live on the other side of the world, they like to Google me. And um, <laughs> I'm just putting a little bit of extra distance by having a different name for the podcast, but my voice and my opinions and my experiences are still belonging to that other person. True. And who else is on our team? We have also got Maria on our team, who has been here, I think, for two years. Mm-hmm. We also have Elle, who has been in Paris for, I think it's like three or four years, man. Yeah, but she's been in France for a while. She's settled. She's like, yeah, well, she likes she likes it. Yeah. So me and Casey, we met first, and Elle and Maria, we met because we started going to meetups. Yeah, because uh, we wanted to expand our lesbian friendship circle. We did because at that point it was just us. Though. Yeah, and a friendship circle needs variety and needs friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so now we're all here together, and we also have Law, who is our artwork designer. So. She's French, but the rest of us are expats. We're, we all bonded over our um, mutual love for vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, one day I think the podcast just came up with just me and you. Yeah. Like, we were just having a chat about getting out there and dating and, and whatever, and I was giving some tips on where to take somebody for a date mm-hmm. or two people for a date. <laughs> I remember. And yeah, like it, it was really just a joke. And uh, Casey told me that I should start up a podcast or an advice line, I guess, for lesbian or queer dating. But then we actually, when we took a trip all together, the, the five of us, to Amsterdam for uh, Pride, I don't know how it came up again, but we just like, we had this idea. And it came up as a joke that we could start a podcast all together. And then as like the, the seconds went on and we all started to actually think about it, we thought that it would be such a good idea because, yeah, like none of us have grown up with this lesbian content and feeling like secure and feeling like, OK, like I can relate to that. I can relate to this because like all of the movies and shit. OK, like she's lesbian, but then actually she ends up with a man or oh, like, she's not really a lesbian, or something bad always happens, or something changes, and it's not just... She just can't be a straightforward lesbian without, like, too much drama or without, like, massive problems in her life or whatever, you know? Yeah, um, there's never enough stories about just, like... Standard lesbians, you know? Yeah, who move to a different country and need lesbian friends who aren't their exes, exes, exes. 100%, 100%. So here we are. We're hoping to give you the content that... We miss. We missed. Also, this is, like, really fun for us, you know, like... Getting together, yeah. having a chat. We love this shit. And it's really nice to just have a chat about, like, our culture. Can we say that? Yeah, our lesbian yeah, culture. Yeah, lesbian culture. Fuck it. So that's why we are here, and that's why we're talking to you today. Mm-hmm. And so all of the episodes will have a different topic or a different theme. Mm-hmm. In this particular episode, we thought it would be quite nice for us to talk about our coming out stories and how we ended up here and queer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's dive straight in. So, hi, my name's Leah. Um, I'm 26. (laughs) I am 
as I said before, I'm originally from England and my story kind of starts when I was 13. I lived in a relatively big, like, technically it's a, it's a town, but it's quite a big town. So I wasn't like super hidden away in like the countryside or anything like that. I had this best friend. I met her sister and we also became very good friends. So we were kind of like three little besties, which was great. Mm-hmm. But then we would all hang out like separately. So like sometimes I'd hang out with like the younger sister and sometimes I'd hang out with the older sister. And the younger sister was my original like OG uh, bestie, you know. OG BFF. Exactly. And so like me and the older sister, we got very close and one night I was staying over at her grandma's house, which was just down the road from my house. And we were, I think we were getting, like, changed or something. We were, like, we were getting ready for bed. It was quite late. And she sent me a text, okay? I just sent a text saying, like, I really want to kiss you. So you're in the same room? Yeah, so we're in the same room. I'm sat on the bed. And she sends me this text that says, like, I really want to kiss you. And so I kind of, like, turn around and I'm like, okay. Everything happens really fast then from that like moment um lesbian speed by yeah obviously it's standard little did I know I was such a stereotype at that age Uh, (laughs) here we go and so kissing turned into like we started fucking like pretty much immediately like that night like we had quite good sex from what I remember you know I had no idea like I had never even thought about the fact that I could be into women Uh I was 13 you know like I'm still pretty young yeah. Um, and I'd never really, first of all, never explored it. Second of all, like, it just wasn't the thing that I was thinking about at that age mm-hmm. until she made the move mm-hmm. and kind of, yeah, like, opened up my imagination. So I'm also very grateful for this girl. Thank you for letting me know that. So me and this girl, can I give her a name? Sure. Choose a name. Okay, so we're going to call this girl... Um, Kelly. Kelly. So... Kelly, um, Kelly and I got very, very close after that. Um, we were kind of sneaking around. We saw each other at school a lot. And she had these, like, group of, of very... They were quite bitchy girls, actually. Mm. They, yeah, they were the cool, the cool girls. And so they had, like, a reputation to uphold. So, obviously, like, we started this relationship being, you know, two little lesbians, very stereotypical we started a relationship um, from, like, that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were seeing each other all the time. We were calling each other all the time. When we saw each other at school, it was just, like, very awkward eye contact. But it was still nice to see her, you know? Yeah. It was just quite difficult because, like, obviously I couldn't do anything at school and that mm-hmm. made me quite upset, but whatever. So after about, I think it's, like, a good few months, like, we're calling every day, we're speaking every day, we're seeing each other, like, multiple times Mm -hmm. um, a week. And she tells me that she actually wants us to come out to our parents um, together. How long had you guys been dating? It had really been, like, a few months. Okay. Like, low side of a few months, like, three or four months maximum. She decides that, yeah, she wants us to tell our parents, and I'm like, oof. I'm a little bit scared to do that, actually. Like, she's a year older than me. I'm pretty fucking terrified of doing that and saying that to my parents. And so she kind of puts me in the situation where she forces me to and kind of gives me the ultimatum of, if you don't, like, we're going to break up because I don't want to be with somebody that's not going to tell their parents. And so one day we're on the phone and she's like, okay, we need to do it now. Like, I'm going to go and tell my mum. 
you need to do the same thing and when we come back like we'll call each other back and it will be done and so I'm like Oof, right now so I'm like okay like I can do that no problem so I go I go downstairs I speak to my parents and I say look guys just so you know like I'm bisexual because I hadn't had any other experiences at this point and I hadn't figured out who I was you know I didn't know who I was attracted to what I was attracted to it was still fucking early days and it was the easiest the easiest way you know and not disappoint them if I could say like there's still a chance that I could be with a guy because I'm bi you know I mean, I guess at this stage, you probably don't even really know for yourself. Mm. Precisely. So I go down, I tell my parents, no problem. I go back upstairs, I give her a call. I'm like, look, it's done. Mm-hmm. How did how did you go? Wait, how did your parents respond? They just ignored me. They didn't say anything, actually. They didn't really comment on it at all. That must have felt really weird. It did feel weird that they didn't comment on it. However, I was I think I was also quite happy that it wasn't made a big deal of. Yeah. And so at that point I was like, okay, like that is a perfect response. That's just what I wanted. Mm-hmm. For them not to comment on anything and like mm-hmm. but they know, so I've told them, you know, yeah. like technically I've ticked off the box, but yeah, you've done your duty. Exactly. I've done what I was forced into. So Kelly comes back and I'm like, so how did it go for you? And she says that she couldn't do it. Fuck. And so, like, at this point, I'm, like, disappointed, fucking pissed off. Like, I'm I'm upset, man. Like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty upset. Like, it's a... Uh, you can't force somebody into doing that and then, you know, not not even do it yourself. And so that kind of upset me a little bit, but we kind of got through that, you know. This is also, I should mention, like, the time that I started to, to abuse alcohol. And, yeah, I started to drink at 13... I don't know if it's related to the relationship or the fact that I was kind of questioning who I was and, like, it wasn't normalised and I had nobody to look up to and, like, it wasn't in, there was no fucking open lesbian in society that I, that I knew of. And that's kind of, I, like, the more I look at it now in hindsight, like, I can see that that's kind of where the drinking started and where my, like, depression and anxiety and my mental health problems kind of came from and yeah. started. Were you drinking alone? I was drinking... I started out drinking, like, with her. And then it was, like, a couple of parties. And then, like, from the age of probably, like, 14, yeah. I started to drink alone. I started to steal alcohol from my parents. I started to to go and beg people to buy me alcohol from the shops. Mm. Uh, like, I mean, there were many ways for me to get a hold of alcohol, and yeah, I don't know. But my favourite thing to do at that point was just to, like, kind of sit in my room, be depressed, drink myself to kind of get rid of these thoughts and these feelings that I was having, and it just kind of developed into a massive problem over over the years. But then this relationship, like, I stayed in this relationship with, with Kelly for a good, like, year and a half, two years, you know? Yeah. And... Towards the end, she actually... I mean, first of all, she tried to get with my cousin, who was a guy. Like, suddenly people were interested in her at at school. Like, guys were interested in her at school. And so she really liked the attention from them. And so she kind of went off with them and, like, was like, oh, I'm going on a date with this guy. Like, this guy wants to be my boyfriend, so I'm going to be his girlfriend. And I was like, okay, hold on. Like, you're my girlfriend. Yeah, did you guys have, like, a label for each other? 
yeah, like we were together, like we were fucking girlfriends, you know. Yeah. And did she call you her girlfriend? Yeah, but not to anybody else because like mm. that was something that we were both very scared of and intimidated by the fact that if we were out at school, for example, or if her sister knew, like it would be terrifying. Then yeah, man, like and we were so fucking young, like it was a really scary thing. So it's just something that we just hid, you know, as much as mm. we could. And yeah, so. I don't know, like, after that, when the guys started to get interested, I was like, okay, like, there's not much I can do in this situation. Either I stay and I accept it and I get to be in her life and I get to to be her girlfriend, yeah. or I leave her and then she's with a guy, you know? And that, for me, like, was, like, fucking painful. Like, why yeah. am I not good enough just because I don't have a fucking dick? Yeah. Like, essentially, like, that's the difference. Yeah. And I didn't understand that and so that obviously like yeah it didn't help with the drinking didn't help with the like the depression and you know like there was some self-harm involved as well and it was a fucking difficult time but I continued the relationship while she was still with the guy for a good like a good month or something mm. and then like yeah I don't know like I saw them at school I saw them holding hands I saw them do everything that we couldn't do together mm. and I was just like do you know what like I don't want to see you kiss him in front of me, in front of everybody at school. And it, it just makes me feel like fucking shit, you know? And so yeah. I ended the relationship. And it was very difficult. It was pretty complicated, but it is what it is, you know? I'm really sorry um, to hear that. It was pretty fucking shit. And it's definitely where, like, most of my issues came from. Yeah. You know, like, it really kind of introduced me to the world of alcohol, drugs smoking depression but I, fuck me like everything that i started was at 13. shit i'm now 26 just for a little bit of uh you've come a long way yeah 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 yeah. seven years sober yes <laughs> so after that i got a boyfriend from the time that i was 15 to 16. no 14 to 15 sorry mm-hmm so I was in this relationship with her, like, yeah, like a year. It was probably about a year, actually, in hindsight. And after that, I got a boyfriend who I thought was a very sweet guy. I wasn't really attracted to him. I didn't really like to kiss him. I never had sex with him. Mm-hmm. But he was a nice person. He was quite funny. So I was like, oh, this is cool, you know. Plus, we can be, like, holding hands and, like, show affection at school. And, like, this is quite nice. Mm-hmm. But there was just, like, there was a massive thing that was missing. And I had already had, like, a whole year and a bit of, like, having sex all the time. And so now when I was with him, I was just kind of like, I don't really want to do that with you. You know, like, that actually makes me feel a bit sick. Yeah. Like, when I kissed him, and when he kissed me, it was just, there was nothing. Like, there was nothing. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't know. That, like, that went on for a year. I introduced him to my parents. I think my parents were pretty happy. Like, I think that was the, probably the, the time that my relationship with my parents was the best, actually. Wow. Which is such a surprise, isn't it? Um, wow. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, after that, the time went on with him, and I was just like, I don't know if I can do this. I got into this TV show called Glee. It came out around that time. And I started to realise, like, actually, like, I mean, obviously, in Glee, that there's a lot of queer characters and so I started to realize like actually it's fucking normal yeah and I can be queer and that's not going to be a big issue and I don't have to pretend to be in this fucking stupid relationship that I'm not happy in yeah I started like there was like this 
on Twitter there was like this massive community for Glee fans. Yeah. And so I started to speak to this girl who was, I think, probably about 20 at the time. And I was 15. Okay. And we started to get quite close. And then she told me, like, you know, you kind of need to break up with your boyfriend because, like, it's not fair on him. Okay. Because, like, we started getting very close and, like, we kind of almost started a relationship, I guess. And so I was like, yeah, do you know what? Like, yeah, I fucking need to break up with him. Like, I'm not interested in him. And so... He comes over, like, we have a little chat, we go for a walk, and I'm like, look, you're a very nice boy. I just, this is not working. This is not for me, you know? Yeah. And he was kind of very upset. He was kind of, like, a little bit on his hands and knees on the floor, like, begging me, like, please don't do this. Like, I'm really, I really love you. Like, if I've done something wrong to you, like, I'm so sorry. Like, he was really sweet, you know? Like, and, and I feel so bad for, like, kind of leading him on a little bit and making him feel like... I was really, like, I I really did genuinely like him. I just was not attracted to him. And it wasn't, you know, I'm a lesbian, man. Like, I can't be in a relationship with you because you're not a woman. Yeah. And I'm not attracted to you in that kind of way, you know. Like, But as a friend, he was a fucking lovely guy. So when he started saying all of that, I was kind of like, look, like, stop, you know, like, it's fine. Like, okay, like, we'll try more. I don't know. Yeah. And I gave it another week. And then I was just like, do you know what, look, mate, like, no. I can't do this. It's too much. I'm done. You know, like, we're yeah. not going to do this. Yeah, after that, I started this relationship with this girl. She was 20. I was 15. We started to meet up when I was probably about 16. Like, we would go to hotels. I would lie to my parents about where I was going and be like, oh, I'm just going to this friend's for the night. Wait, did she live nearby? <clears throat> no, she lived, actually, she was from Plymouth. And so that's, like, three hours on the oh, train. Wow. On the train. a solid long-distance situation. That was a long-distance relationship. That was from the time that I was, like, yeah, like, nearly 16 until the time that I was, like, fucking nearly, like, 17, 18, man. Oh, wow. It was, that, that relationship lasted, like, a good, like, three years. Wow. And I was, like, fucking deep in that relationship. Like, we would meet each other, like, every probably, like, four or five months or something. Like, we would talk every day. We would text. We would call. We would speak, like, all the fucking time. And that relationship was very toxic. It was a lot of, like... First of all, the age gap was quite a lot. And she she wanted different things to what I wanted because I was still very young. And things in this relationship, like, they were just... It was nice to have somebody that cared so much about me. And I think that's the feeling that I liked. And the fact that she was older was nice because, like, she had more experience and... She was okay with being a like with being a lesbian, and yeah. I was kind of growing into that. And you know, we liked a lot of the same things. It was cool. I had come out to my parents because of the Glee thing, actually. So there was a scene in Glee where Santana had written her grandma, I think, a letter to explain that she was a lesbian and that it doesn't change the person that she is. It doesn't change anything about her. It's just that she loves. A girl instead of a guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I pretty much kind of, like, copied most of the letter. Um, but put it in, like, changed the words a little bit and, you know, kind of made it more personal to me. And I had written that out and I gave it to... I went to give it to my mum. And so I knocked my mum's uh, door and she was in the bathroom. And so I said, look, I'm just going to leave this letter here for you. And so I left it on her pillow. And, yeah, it was probably around, like... The end of 16, like early 17, when when this happened. And so I left it on her pillow. And she told me that she would read it when she got out of the bar. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I didn't hear anything else that night. And so the next morning, I didn't hear anything either. And so I went to look for the letter to see if she had read it, you know. Yeah. And I fucking could not find the letter anywhere. Nowhere to be found. I checked everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and still to this day, like, I haven't heard about the letter again since I gave it to her. Did you ever ask her about it? No. I felt like if she had something to say about it, she would have already said it, you know? I mean, um, ideally, yeah. But she didn't, and so we carried on, not knowing. So, yeah, and then we broke up because obviously it wasn't working. And it was really, really tough, like, really, really tough. Mm. And that was the point where my drinking and my depression and everything was, like, probably the lowest, mm. like, at the worst point. And so after that... What did I do? I actually was working at a supermarket, uh-huh. going to college. And at college, like, I was out and I was very proud and I was very, like, I don't give a fuck about who knows. Like, I met lots of new people. I didn't really speak to my old friends as much. And so when I went to college, everybody knew I was a massive lesbian and that was totally fine. And I had no issues with that at all. And after that, I think I just kind of, like, was just like, fuck what everybody else thinks. Like, this is mm-hmm. me. And that's, that's my story of how we got here. Yeah, um, far out. Yeah. In all of that time with these different situations, did you have somebody that you spoke to about what you were going through? At one point, I did have, like, a therapist, but I didn't really speak too much about my sexuality. Mm -hmm. That kind of all went inside, and I think that's where a lot of my issues with, like, mental health and, like, the drinking kind of started, Mm. actually. And, yeah, I don't know, like, I didn't really have any friends that I was super open with, like, at the beginning, at least until I went to college. And so it was pretty just difficult just to keep everything inside and not even have, like, one person to speak to other than, like, my girlfriend, you know? Like, the therapy did help. It was nice to kind of take my mind off of the other stuff, but it wasn't focused on me being gay. I think Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it's not a big deal. But in my head, it was a really big deal, but I didn't want anyone to think that I thought it was a big deal. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, far out. That's where we're at. Mm. And now I'm a very happy lesbian, living a very happy lesbian life. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, wow. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing all that with us. So what about your story? Are you quite happy to fill us in on, on how Casey's life has been so far? Sure. I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my coming up story. I come from quite a religious family. I have six siblings. Three brothers, three sisters, same parents. Everybody always asks. (laughs) My mum is quite devoted in her Catholicism. And all of my other siblings are also quite religious, even now. And it was religious to the point of, like, I went to church twice a week, sometimes three if I was lucky. We went to religion classes every Friday from, like, the age of two till I was 18. Um, you were 18? Yeah, till I finished school. Wow. At some point, we started going twice a week, just... For extra fun? Just for extra education. And I was also homeschooled for primary school, which was great, but it was also very sheltered. Yeah. Um, and, like, all the socialising that I did at that time was with other religious groups, either Catholic or Anglican, just to mix it up a bit. That's nice. And then I went to a Greek Orthodox school for high school, even though 
I I'm not Greek or Orthodox, and my sister and I and one Russian boy in my class were the only people in the school who were not Greek. So it was a bit of a weird experience. So yeah, the first like 18 years of my life were very very sheltered and. I knew that I wasn't interested in dating any boys at the time, but I just thought it was because I was really studious. Yeah, yeah, you were. And I didn't really start thinking about dating anybody until I was in my early 20s. And because of all of my education, I assumed that I was straight and I tried dating guys, but they're really really not so interesting. <laughs> When I left school and was spending less time at church and religious classes. I was choosing friends that were a bit more secular, as my mother would say. <laughs> so like people who weren't religious. But I was also like I never really told those friends that I came from such a religious background yeah. because people are super judgy. The Catholic people are super judgy if you hang out with people who are not Catholic and then the not Catholic people are super judgy if you Yeah, it's like a, oh, a lose-lose situation. Yeah, and I didn't want to be known as the, the girl that's, like, not fun to party with or, like, because I am fun to party with. You are I very... <laughs> I can definitely adhere to that. But it did mean that I was kind of living a very closed life for a long time. Like, I didn't really have anybody that I was super close with. I didn't really have very many friends for a while because, like, for the first... Part of my life, I didn't really connect with anybody in my family's religious circle. Yeah, I always felt super uncomfortable. Like I didn't really take it seriously, but I was also too scared to not attend or like to go against my mum's religion because, like, firstly, Catholicism, the number one special trait is making everybody feel guilty all the time. That sounds so incredible, delightful. So, like, I felt. Even, like, the fact that I didn't want to be Catholic, I felt extremely guilty about for a long time. I still do. I feel really bad that I don't go to church anymore. But if mum is listening, I do go, I do go to church, I promise. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, I was, like, living this really secretive, closed life for a long time. And I was quite sad and lonely, surprisingly. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's all very sad and lonely. Yeah. But I was kind of like starting to assume that there was something wrong with me because I didn't really, I didn't fall in love with people. I didn't have any crushes on people the same way that my other friends did. I got to like 22 and I was like, there must be something wrong with me because I don't feel like, I don't feel attracted to any of these yeah. guys. But there's a lot of really good looking women around me. <laughs> <laughs> I was in therapy for a while in my early 20s and she was asking me why I hadn't dated anybody and like what was going on with romantic life and I was like you know like just that like I'm not really attracted to anybody like I don't I haven't really found anybody interesting I'm just kind of I don't want to waste my time totally understandable <laughs> and she was like have you thought about maybe you might be gay and I was like um not a, it's not a chance because I'm catholic and that's not an option And she was like, yeah, but you could be gay. It's a possibility. And I was like, it's, it's not, it's like, it's super illegal. It's not allowed to happen. It's not an option. <laughs> and I'm not coming back to therapy ever again to see you. Goodbye. And I did like, I canceled all of my appointments with you her. You just didn't go back to her at all? No, because she was telling me lies. <laughs> no, I didn't go back because, um... 
Because I guess like when I think about it, it was something that I just didn't want to face at the time. Yeah, it was, it was a, a fear that you were... I think there's probably a part of you that maybe deep down thought that it was true and that you were scared to kind of... It's that like inner homophobia, you know? Totally. Like, yeah, like 18 years of this education meant that I was pretty convinced that being gay was a sin and every gay person is going straight to hell. And, you know, if... I don't know why my mum always used to tell me this, but she, <laughs> she used to say that there are a lot of people who have homosexual inclinations, but they choose not to act on them. Yeah, because... And then it's okay. Wow. Like, there's nothing wrong with being gay. Just don't, don't act on it. Don't be gay. You can feel gay and have gay yeah. thoughts. No, you can't have gay thoughts because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And thinking about gay things is insulting to the Holy Spirit. Wow. Um, oh, my God. It is, though. <laughs> so are you having gay thoughts right now? Or are you just not gay? <laughs> just empty, clear mind. No, I think I would, like when that therapist said that to me, I just really wasn't ready to face it. Because thinking back, if I put things together, I'm pretty sure I already knew somewhere deep inside me that I was gay. And... It was that I wasn't ready to deal with. I had a lot of friends around me who were queer. And I feel like I kept telling myself, like, it's okay that they're gay, but I can't be, like, you know, like, I know the exception. Yeah, like, I don't mind surrounding myself with these people because I'm, like, open-minded and fine. And, like, they can live their lives and I can be friends with them, but I can't be gay because then I'll go straight to hell. And, um... (laughs) It's going to be really bad. And... Anyway, the way that it went down. So I was just like kind of ignoring this for a while. And at some point I met somebody at work. I thought she was really amazing. She, I thought she was really beautiful. She was funny. And I think, I, I guess I had a crush on her. And she also very obviously had a crush on me. She thought she was being discreet, but super flirty. <laughs> And it was nice. And when I was thinking about, like, when I realized that she was flirting with me for real, I was very flattered. But I also thought nothing's going to happen because she's going to find out that I have no experience and it's not going to be interesting. Nobody likes an inexperienced lesbian. (laughs) (laughs) So is this, just to, to clarify, like, is this the... You had been, you had, like, kind of almost accepted, I guess, a little bit, the fact that maybe you were into girls and that you wanted to try at this point? Mm, If I trace it back, I think it got to a point where I was like, I was in my mid-20s and I was feeling really lonely. And I'd like, I'd been pretty like, I had been solidly depressed since I was 15 because I felt so excluded from everything. everything. Yeah. And it was like, it was kind of because of the way that I acted like I didn't let anybody in I was just really lonely and I was really sad I was like I need to do something about this and I can't live my life like this because I do have a lot of love to give but I need to like give it to somebody there was somebody that I worked with at a previous job who we had this woman start and I was showing her like training her a little bit and how to do stuff and she was flirting with me the whole time she was (laughs) she was saying things like yeah I just moved to Sydney because I broke up with my girlfriend and I was like (laughs) Oh yeah, okay, cool. So this you just click on this one. <laughs> and then she's like she's like, Oh, I just accidentally added myself. And I was like, 
yeah like don't worry everybody here is gay just relax like everybody else in the office is gay um and then you everybody else just like that's not even something like, that i'm yeah like half the team is gay don't nobody cares and then you open You're this file <laughs> she had to go to the factory or something for a training and she had started at the same time as somebody else and they came back and the person that she went with at some point said to me he was like yeah, so she's kind of like in love with you. She spent the whole trip talking about your eyes. <laughs> no way. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. Because she was like, I, like, I'm sure she was fine, but she was much older than me and really too much. Just for the record though, um, you do have... <laughs> Just for everybody out there that's imagining Casey, they're bright blue. <laughs> Anyway, she actually quit two weeks later because <laughs> because she was heartbroken. She couldn't handle being in the office with me. What? Really? Yeah, she told me. She was like, it's just too much and it's okay, but I found a new job. Oh my goodness. It was a small team and I think I was quite cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so you're in love with me, but I'm still going to just press this button here. Just fucking do your job. <laughs> I want 10 copies of that. Anyway, so like when that happened, I was, I think it kind of opened a little door for me. I've just been like, mm, maybe like le- lesbian life is an option, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't do anything until it was worth it. You know, like if I'm going to give up heaven. No, it's it needs to be for it. a good person. Eh? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I went through this process where I was like trying to push myself out of my shell and just let somebody into my life in a meaningful way. So I did meet this woman at work at a new job. And it's a mutual crush, mutual flirtation happening. And at some point she organized a drinks catch up at her place. I, I knew that I had feelings for her as well, I think. And you could just feel like something in the air. I was like, oh, this is what everybody's talking about. Yeah, <laughs> there you are. Okay. Oh, Better late than never. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the night, after a few Negronis, she told me that she had a massive crush on me and she kissed me and it was amazing. And as soon as she said it, I was like, fuck, yes, I also want this. And I'm going to go for it. Like, I'm going to... I'm going to let it happen. I'm going to enjoy this moment and I'm going to be okay with it. We started a relationship, a very happy relationship, and it was it was just really nice. She had been out for a while since she was a teenager and she'd also been into a lot of activism for LGBT rights. And she was kind of, like, in my opinion, she was a really good person to start this journey with Mm -hmm. because she was really supportive and she showed me how great it is to be gay like even though there's so much shit that we have to go through it can be really nice once you embrace the community yeah yourself and the community and yeah it was really it was really great and my friends were really supportive I told a group of friends one night and they were like "Ooh, plot twist (laughs) And it was, it was really good. And then at some point, I think we'd been together for like a year and 
we were both starting to feel the pressure of being in a, a secret relationship because my family didn't know at all. And so I started the process of telling people and it was a lot of coming outs to do because eight other people in my family. You did, you, you did it all like individually? So I did, I started with my younger sister. My younger sister and I used to be super close to the point where we would call each other multiple times in the day just to like laugh at something that just happened or we were in a constant meme sharing conversation and I trusted her and anyway I told her about the relationship Mm -hmm. and she was kind of a little bit upset about it she was like you know I still love you but you really shouldn't be doing this because it's not it's not good and then like when you tell people everybody's going to be really upset but she she tried to be supportive I think in the beginning she met my girlfriend and they were really nice to each other for a while and then I started telling my the rest of my family maybe like two or three months after that I needed a bit more time yeah and I also needed like I took some time to enjoy like the last moments of my family time I had a Christmas where I knew that this was the last Christmas that I would spend with my family like that and when I was ready I started with my mum and she was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to our family. That was really hard. And then I told my sisters, we went out together one night, and I told them as a group. And my older sister was like, I really, I think I kind of knew, like I suspected this for a while. And I was like, well, why didn't you fucking tell any, say yeah, anything? Like, you could have told me. I've waited me. so long for this, you know. This has taken so long, and you already knew. Uh, the thing is, I had 25 years with these people, and as soon as I came out, like, everybody turned. When I finished coming out to my whole family, my sisters kind of ganged up on me and they told my younger sister that she had been put in a really awkward situation because she had known before anybody else and that I had really, like, betrayed her trust or, like, I... Like, they just told her shit like this. To try to, like, break the closeness between you, I guess. I think... In this process, I saw a lot of tribalism in my family. Like, I am different, and therefore it's not safe to trust me anymore. My oldest sister wouldn't let me hang out alone with my niece and nephews anymore. And my brothers just kind of, like, completely shut down. My youngest brother asked my sister to tell me that he couldn't cope with me in his life right now, so he said that, He didn't want to talk to me until he was ready. And my youngest sister that I was so close with, she happened to be moving to a different city already, but she moved and then she like um, blocked my number. She blocked me on social media and just downright refused to speak to me. And she didn't for like six years. I'm so sorry, man. It was a really intense process. It was a lot of crying because like my family was making it clear that they did not support my decision to (laughs) live this lifestyle yeah but I was also going through the process of accepting myself and allowing it like allowing this for me it shifted my whole worldview in terms of like I lost I lost my place in my family and I also lost my religion yeah which Maybe I hadn't been that close to, like, I hadn't been that connected with the religion for most of my life, but it's also 
just in general, religion is a source of comfort and it's a source of like security. And I lost that really quickly because I kept going to church for a while. But every time I went, I felt physically sick because I was just racked with guilt. But in all of that, I did have a really supportive partner, which was great. And I started seeing a therapist who was like... A new one? A new, no, a new one. <laughs> a new one that I could trust that wasn't going to tell me more secrets about myself. <laughs> but he was just like the most adorable queer man who was just really supportive and really helpful. And it got me through. And yeah, and like... The one bright star in all of that was my dad. I told him, like, he was the last person that I told because my dad's a bit of a workaholic and I, he's also a very kind of man's man. Like, he spent his weekend building stuff in the garden and I'm a very, like, I never had a tomboy phase. I'm a very girly girl, so I didn't really, really have any reason. Uh, Curry Casey has, like, <laughs> right now, the only colour that I can see on her is pink and she's got, like, pink hair... <laughs> She's got like a pink like t-shirt on, like long sleeves. And then her fucking like dungarees are literally vulvas <laughs> everywhere. Like pink vulvas everywhere. There's no, a little bit of green. It's fruit. Fruit cut in half. But I could like I can see strawberries, papaya. <laughs> I can see vulvas. <laughs> um so yeah, yeah, no tomboy phase. I understand that. No problem. I'm still growing out of that. So. <laughs> anyway, all this to say, I didn't have much of a relationship with my dad. But at this time, I was working at a company down the road from his factory, and like he used to call me at the end of the workday and be like, "I'm on my way home. Do you want to go to Macca's?" <laughs> which is McDonald's in Australia. So we used to go and have Macca's dinner together. That's so sweet. It was really cute. Yeah. He's actually like a really nice man when I got to know him. <laughs> and anyway, one evening I was like literally sweating all the way through the, the meal and not because it was Macca's. <laughs> and like I waited till right at the last moment when he was just about to say goodbye. And I was like, Dad, I need to tell you something. I've met somebody. I'm really happy. And she's a woman. So I'm gay. And he was like, oh, right. Uh, right. I was hoping that one day there'd be little uh, Casey's running around. But hey, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. And then he came back the next week at Macca's. And <laughs> he was like, guess what? I think my cousin's gay. And my friend at work has a lesbian daughter. And um, have you seen Glee? <laughs> Really? Loved it. No way. Um, so, like, he'd gone and done all this research to find, like, other gay people in his life. And he was really sweet about the whole thing. He met my girlfriend and he, like, they got on so well. Even though my girlfriend at the time is French and she couldn't understand a word my dad was saying. <laughs> <laughs> but they both laughed at each other's jokes. and Which is perfect. Yeah. Ever since I came out, my dad and I have been much closer He's been really supportive and um, it really got me through the whole process, I think. Hearing your story, I'm just like, I'm really glad that you had somebody there that was outside of your relationship, you know, that was there for you and that was showing you that it was okay. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm just glad that you had somebody at least. Yeah, I also had like, like my best friend was 
super supportive the whole time as well. She was really amazing. I feel like I spent two years just complaining to her about my family. <laughs> But she listened, she was super supportive, and she was amazing. So I had her and I had my dad and my girlfriend and my therapist. But it was still like... That's plenty. That's all you need. Yeah, that's like four people. <laughs> yeah. Like different people. <laughs> it was a good team. But yeah, it was a really rough time in my life. But also really exciting. Like, I was really happy to finally figure this out and to be able to appreciate it and enjoy it because like everything outside of what was going on with my family was good I enjoyed being a lesbian I enjoyed being a part of this queer community and getting to know this side of life in a more personal way I finally felt like I belonged somewhere and it was really nice <laughs> I felt like I was meeting myself again for the first time and I liked who I was finally And I'm glad it all happened. I'm glad I, I'm glad I went through that. <laughs> I'm glad I'm gay. I'm glad you're gay too. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this podcast. Yeah. With this amazing friendship. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, yeah. That's how I came out. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It's. I mean, not. I don't mean to to compare our stories, but like they are pretty fucking different. Hmm. I can't imagine first of all going through my teenage years and my like adult years and not having a clue like the the beginning of my adult years and not kind of understanding who I was mm. you know and for me it's like it's really interesting how how well you dealt with that because honestly I mean maybe you just tell the story really well and I'm <laughs> sure it was probably very very emotional you know but especially with your family and everything you know like losing the, their support mm. most of their support you know and just having your dad there as the only kind of person that still wants to be in contact with you and still wants to see you mm. out of like your massive fucking family is like it's something that for me is really hard just to think about and so I can't imagine how it must have made you feel to go through that And I'm really glad that you did get through that and that you're here. Yeah, I think moving to the other side of the world was a good idea. Thing that happened. To me. <laughs> like three years after I came out, I moved to France, and those three years were really difficult in terms of like making peace with my family, as much peace as I could, as we could find. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure in their eyes, I'm all like everything that happened is my fault. I chose to live the way that I do. Mm. And um, it's not correct in the eyes of God. Definitely not. Feels like a really heavy story. I don't I try not to think about it too much. But it is a really heavy story, like. Anyway, so that's uh, that's how we came out. Um, and now we're out. Now we're out. We're queer. We're here. We're and we're queer, and we are not going to disappear. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, not all of the episodes are going to be, like... As heavy as this. Yeah. Um, yes. We just... I guess, like, we just felt it's important to... It's important for other people to hear these kinds of stories. Because I think, like, for me, I had a relatively good experience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess you could say, like, in comparison, you know, like, I didn't lose my family from that. Like, I didn't lose my friends. You know, I wasn't... I wasn't abused in any way. I wasn't, like, beaten up. I wasn't made to feel ashamed of it. I just was ignored. And, 
you know, I guess it kind of makes it, or it did used to make me feel like, oh, well, I don't have it the worst, you know, like there are people that, that don't speak to their families or they get kicked out of their houses or this happens or that happens or whatever. Um, and I think it's a really important, like it's, it's also a very personal thing mm. to tell somebody your coming out story. And so I hope that whoever's listening to this is, um, is very grateful to have heard <laughs> our stories. I hope that you realise that we're all now very close and that you have to listen to every other episode. Yeah, like now um, we're best friends. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a fucking heavy, heavy topic to, to discuss. But yeah, but I also think it's kind of nice in a way to hear these stories and to share these stories because gay history is mostly oral history, you know? Yeah. Like it's not told in the media very much. I feel like I didn't know anything. I realised that I didn't know anything about the queer community until I realised that I was part of it. And I still find it really validating to hear other people's experiences. And Yeah, I agree with that. Because like, our experiences are quite different, but there's also things that I hear in your story that I connect with and it makes me feel less alone to know that I'm not the only crazy one that <laughs> has like, experiences. You're not crazy. Just fucking gay. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, no? Oh, yeah, it depends on who you ask. I can, yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree with you in that sense. I think growing up, like, there was definitely no lesbian culture. Yeah. I think there was, like, even, I mean, I don't know, like, ten years ago when I was still a teenager and dealing with all of my feelings, I feel like there was a lot of stuff that was for, like, gay men. Yes. But for lesbians, they didn't really speak that much about it, which I think now is just really fucking weird. And I think that that's why I struggled so much. Mm. Uh, and I guess you as well, mm. because like that was kind of our idea behind starting this podcast was to to create something that we could have something that we could share about our culture, you know, and yeah. about lesbianism and about how we feel and how we're fucking valid, you know, like we fucking matter. And and I think that that's something that's that's really important. Do you have anything that you would go want to go back and say to yourself, like? Say to 13-year-old Leah. Um, what would I say to 13-year-old Leah? Stop beating yourself up. Like, honestly, stop beating yourself up and stop worrying so much about what people are going to fucking think of you. Because, like, in the end, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, just be happy. Just be, mm. be happy with the person that you are and that, you know, like... Stop fucking drinking as well. That's what I would... <laughs> that's what I would say. What would you say to 13-year-old Casey? I would probably say something like, your mum is right, there is a reason why your walls are covered with posters of Kate Blanchett. No way, really? Um, yeah. And also, you probably do have a crush on Sonia, you should tell her. Who is Sonia? <laughs> tell me it was your best friend. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. Juicy, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we had a lot of fun together. <laughs> What's Sonia doing now? I don't know. I don't know. Probably something cool. She was fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to hang out with her all the time because she was a good friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. But yeah, you might be gay and it's okay. It's okay to be gay, Casey. Just let it happen. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're gay. <laughs> I'm so glad that I know it. Lesbian life is nice. Actually, lesbian life is very nice. Mm. It's women are so cool. Oh, I love women. Yeah, like oh my god, really love women. So I reckon 
that's about uh, the end of today's topic. But we wanted to kind of make sure that each episode is going to end on a light note in case we do have these kind of heavy stories. So our idea is to end each episode with a pickup line. <laughs> and yes, it is. So for today's pickup line, let's set the scene a little bit. Mm. So. <laughs> <laughs> we do have some candles on right now. <laughs> the scene is set. Energy saving. So here's the scene. I'm sitting in a bar. I am looking cute. You're sitting across the bar. Do you have a pickup line for me? Do I have a pickup line for you? Yes, I do. So I guess I would walk over mm-hmm. to where you were sitting at the bar mm-hmm. um, with you and your Negroni. <laughs> um, and I would ask you if you were a bowling ball. Why? Because I want to put three fingers in you. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Do you wow. think that's a good one? Would it work? Not with me, but yeah. Maybe I should ask some people on Tinder. Oh my God. Okay. In the meantime, um, we would like to thank our team. Yes. As we mentioned at the top, Elle and Maria and Laura, thank you for your contributions to today's episode. Leah, thank you for being here. Casey, thank you for being here. Thank you for telling us your your story. You're welcome. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did want more of this kind of content, then please subscribe to us in your podcast app of choice. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a rating and a review to help us reach more lesbians and women who love women. Yeah. And you can find us online. We're on Instagram at dicalicious underscore podcast, where you can send us an email or a voice note or a funny meme to dicalicious.podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Take it off.